folks, welcome back to Dava After. This is Chris once again. Hello, folks, and welcome to Chris White Africa here on the Indaba Broadcasting Network, the IBN. Today is June 20th, Sunday. Welcome wherever you are around the world. Uh, for those missing in action like Authentic Max or Andre Jacobs from Nepal and China, as well as all the folks like Peter Crutchley, we haven't seen in ages, from New Zealand, from Ireland, all the Erie Fortrecker, all these others who seem to have disappeared. Welcome, welcome if you're here. If you're not here, uh, shame we're missing you. But welcome back to Indaba Africa. This is Chris. Well, today, the 20th June 2021, Indaba Africa News of the Day. Let's get straight to the headlines, followed by in-depth news and analysis as I wear my Western Province jersey after their thumping of the bulls. The African National Congress has discovered science. <laughs> she blinded me with science. As Thomas Dolby once said, the ANC has discovered science as Education Minister Angie Mokcheka has announced that schools will remain open across South Africa. Finally, some reason and sense creeps into the ANC. South Africa's central bank governor says that South Africa is in a strong position to weather a tightening global fiscal monetary policy. <laughs> that was a lie. Gideon Novik, uh, who is a serial aviation airline entrepreneur and founder, of course, famously known for Kululu, once the CEO of Calm Air and recently started Lyft Airlines, now is part of this bizarre, embarrassing giveaway of South African Airways, something where the nail should just be smashed in the coffin. But Gideon Novik says that the 3.5 billion rand is not an issue for Takatso. Dr. Zuelim Kizi's endless list of failures exposed once again with his tone deafness before his enforced vacation on events in South Africa. Delta Airlines cancels Cape Town. No, 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 it's not cancel culture. They are no longer flying to Cape Town with resumption of flights. They are now restoring their flight to Johannesburg. Delta will begin flying three days a week, two and three days back from OR Tambo in South Africa in just a matter of days. The Daily Maverick makes a grim prediction for the municipal elections of 2021. We'll take a look at that. And it's up to you, South Africa, to make sure that their prediction is wildly inaccurate. Otherwise, it's game over, South Africa. Luteritz election results in Namibia have been tossed out. Apparently, the person responsible for counting them appointed too many members to the council. So Luteritz elections were thrown out. And Botswana has failed to raise 47% of the bond issue that it was hoping for. At issue, the market wants more interest than the government's willing to pay. Fiscal prudence wins out. 80 more students have been are missing in Kebi State in northwestern Nigeria. Nigerian police have killed 14 gunmen who attacked a police station in the central Nigerian Benu State. And Ethiopia's election is around the corner on the 21st of June, just hours away from now. The U.S. expresses grave concern over Ethiopia's election. Tanzania opens its door to blue economy investments. And Tanzania also is considering cryptocurrency as legal tender following El Salvador's announcement recently. Uganda has imposed a 42-day lockdown related to the pandemic. Kenya has imposed a lake basin restriction lockdown. Meanwhile, Niger has reopened its land borders because the pandemic is under control there. The chaotic schizophrenic rules and requirements to go from one place to another are continuing to frustrate global travel and are causing undue pain to people in the hospitality industry. The Bulls were embarrassed in Treviso, going up against a squad that couldn't even win a single game. And the Bulls were waxed 35 to eight 
losing the one and only edition of the Rainbow Cup in Treviso, Italy, before a crowd of 1,250 spectators. And the Olympic Rapage tournament is underway, nearly finished. One game left, and it's probably halfway through that game. Let me take a peek, because by the time I get to that news, it will be over. Let's see what the score is. This game was scheduled to kick off at 7 p.m., so we still have an hour to go before we get to that game. One hour, and the final game will be France versus Ireland for the final men's slot for the Olympic competition. So Ireland has a chance. If they can beat France, they'll go to the Olympics, the men. And in Curry Cup action, ladies and gentlemen, Curry Cup resumed this weekend. The Pumas defeated the Lions 39-10. Sharks took out the Greek was on that concrete patch known as a rugby pitch up there in Kimberley, 30-16. The Greek was looking studly as ever with their teal shirts on, fell 30-16. And Western Province doubled up the Bulls, 48-24. South Africa's Minister of Basic Education, Angie Mocheka, has announced that schools in South Africa will remain open despite a surge in cases across the country. Science. She blinded me with science. Looks like she discovered science for the first time ever. Well, congratulations, Angie. You see, you come up with a hypothesis, then you test that hypothesis, and this is what we call science. The minister said the department has taken advice from the medical fraternity and making decisions. What, really? Wow, you're not co-opting to tell lies that you want? You're so unlike the rest of the African National Congress. What's going on with that? Proxy 100 schools have been disrupted due to the ongoing outbreak of a sector that contains 25,517 schools. More than 25,000 schools will remain stable, the minister stressed. 582,000 teachers and teaching staff will be vaccinated over a two-week period. The rollout begins on the 23rd and concludes on the 8th of July, assuming the African National Congress can actually pull it off. Don't hold your breath on that, folks. If you're a teacher or a teaching staff, <laughs> if you've got private medical care, you might want to go there if you're looking for the jab. Just saying. The governor of South Africa's central bank has said that the country can weather, <laughs> weather a tightening international monetary policy situation. I don't believe it. South Africa's central bank governor said the country is in a strong position to deal with the global monetary policy tightening and the gradual pullback by policymakers from the stimulus measures enacted for the pandemic. When developed countries start to normalize interest rates, Africa, Africa's most industrialized nation will be going into normalization from a very solid basis, the Seiji Kanyago told an investment conference on Thursday. The economy is less vulnerable than it was last year. We have got a current account surplus and the budget balance has recovered faster than we had expected. That should help the Treasury stabilize. <laughs> but the nation recorded a nearly 600 billion rand shortfall, or 39 billions, or 11.2% of gross domestic product for its budget year through March of 2021. I guess because it's lower than what Tito and Buene predicted it would be, that means that it was good. This is a disaster. Wow, these people are absolutely clueless. They think that South Africa is in a strong financial position? <laughs> I don't think so. Speaking of strong financial positions, Gideon Novik, uh, the serial entrepreneur, aviation uh, industry expert, has uh, joined forces uh, with this Takatso consortium to save the flailing South African Airways. Of course, they're giving them 51% of the stake on the promise that they'll invest $3.5 billion. Well, Gideon says, that's not a problem. Takatso can raise that money. He says that's the least of his problems. Well, he's got a lot of problems by even getting involved in this mess. But um, he said in an interview this week that the consortium had received approaches from international investors but turned them down because it preferred local backers. <laughs> yes, they prefer local backers. That way, their government won't be sanctioned by international, by other countries when the ANC steals and nationalizes their assets after they invest and save the failing airline. 
If you're in South Africa and you want to invest in this airline, you better take a long look at your assets because you may never see them again as ANC nationalizes this airline after it defrauds future investors. Well, Dr. Zuelem Kizi, the Minister of Health, now sidelined for his purported role in corruption, diverting contracts to family and friends, has a long list of failures. This breaking story from the Daily Maverick. His legacy of shame, baby deaths, doctor and nurse shortages, a collapsed Eastern Cape health system. We ask Minister of Health Zuelem Lemkizi, who is now on special leave, 89 times what he's going to do about health services in the Eastern Cape. The number of times he answered the Daily Maverick, zero. In March 2021, he was asked why he had not placed the Eastern Cape Department of Health under administration. Three months later, with at least six newborn babies dead, specialist services for children with cancer collapsing, dangerously low number of beds available in one metro, neither McKeesey nor his officials have given an answer. Calls from resigned to be fired were instead anchored in his alleged involvement with Digital Vibes, a communications company appointed by the National Department of Health that is investigating for allegedly paying money to the McKeesey family. None of these calls, however, mentions the human rights crisis that was already close to full-blown in March when he last visited the Eastern Cape. One of the problems of main COVID hospitals, Livingston Hospital in Port Elizabeth, is only able to provide four ICU beds and does not have enough doctors or money to provide 24-hour medical care to those admitted to the ward. Pediatric Oncology Unit, which is part of Livingston Hospital, is facing closure as dire staff shortages make it unsafe for children to be treated there. After four years, Livingston is one of the province's main tertiary hospitals, still only had an acting CEO with no permanent appointment being made. The list goes on and on. The South African Ministry of Health is the South African Ministry of No Health or Poor Health or Death. Take your choice. This is what happens when cadres, this guy's actually a medical doctor. That's the scary part. That's the really scary part. Most cadres have no qualifications for anything they do other than they lick the boots of Latuli House. In this case, he actually has qualifications. Quite frightening, isn't it? Delta Airlines is canceled, Cape Town. You've been canceled. Get to the back of the queue, Cape Town. Sorry, Mother City, but you're just not big enough an attraction. Uh, Going to go for the cash cow. The cash cow for Delta Airlines, of course, is OR Tambo, the hub for Southern Africa and much of the continent. Well, it was, not so much anymore. But OR Tambo is now the destination three days a week for Delta Airlines flying out of Atlanta to OR Tambo. It's announced to return to South Africa this August. However, the airline will only serve Joburg, and its acts plans to serve the Atlanta-Joburg-Cape Town Triangle. Using an Airbus A350-900, will serve Atlanta, Joburg nonstop and fly its longest nonstop flight. Delta plans to fly the route three times per week to start off the uh, route. The flight from Atlanta to Joburg will run Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. The return flight will operate on Thursdays, Saturdays, and Mondays. There you go, folks. Looking forward to it. Beautiful. These A350s are nice aircraft. Departs at 1900 Atlanta time, arrives in Joburg at 1630, and then it leaves Joburg at 2255 and arrives in Atlanta at 915 in the morning. Delta's proudly served South Africa more than 15 years. We're thrilled to return to a market so highly sought after by tourists. Two-thirds of Americans report making summer travel plans, and with demand growing rapidly alongside U.S. vaccination rates, we're bringing back more flights and destinations to deliver on their anticipation to get back out in the world and reclaim the joy of travel. The question is, will Delta continue to be the fascist Nazis that kick toddlers off of planes for refusing to wear a mask? We'll see. We'll see what happens here. Delta Airlines returns to South Africa. Good news for South Africa's economy, assuming that the ANC can just get the hell out of the way and stop being the obstructionists they are. Well, for those of you looking forward to or paying attention to the municipal elections in South Africa, I being one of them, making noise about this since the disappointing 2019 elections, especially since I started my original censored channel last year in 2020, I have been talking extensively about the municipal elections, encouraging South Africans to get out and vote and vote for anybody but the ANC. Well, the Daily Maverick has made some projections, and if these projections come true, it's game over South Africa. 
you might as well just get your immigration immigration card now and find your way to Namibia, to Zambia, to Botswana, hell, even to Zimbabwe at this stage. Can't be worse than South Africa the way it's going. At least you're not getting shot in the streets every day or raped in Zimbabwe. You just have the government preying on you there for the most part. New Zealand, Australia, wherever you can get out to. But here you go, folks. This is the grim prediction from the Daily Maverick of what they project will happen in the municipal elections on October 27th. Well, 2016-21. On the left-hand side, you'll see what the results were in 2016. And this is what the Daily Mavericks projection are for key municipalities. Here we have Johannesburg, Schwana, or Pretoria, Mongnang, Bloemfontein, or Urkahirlini. There you go. So these key metros, they're predicting that um, there'll be a coalition in Johannesburg. And it looks like they're going to—they're saying Ham and Mashaba would likely team up with the Democrat or with the Patriotic Alliance. They don't even have the Democratic Alliance even figuring in there. Interesting. They think that Herman Mashaba will so weaken the DA in Johannesburg that they won't even factor. Well, I disagree with that. I disagree with that. In Schwana, uh, they're predicting that the uh, DA will lose space, the EFF will gain space, and that the EF will be the kingmaker in Schwana. In Bloemfontein, the, they predict the ANC will maintain a slim majority, as they expect in Erkihuleni. I predict in both places, they'll wind up with a minority, but a plurality. And Cape Town, Nelson Mandela Bay, Buffalo City, <laughs> and Itaquini. So, here we go. And they're predicting in uh, Durban that the ANC will win narrowly. And if they turn short, they'll, they'll, they'll turn up to parties like the Minority Front and Al-Jama'ah to keep the coalition. Cape Town, they expect that the DA will win an outright majority, but it will be a smaller majority. Nelson Mandela Bay, they expect that both the DA and the ANC will fall short and unable to form a government. And we'll see what happens. But they, they have the DA losing more, more votes than they had last time. None of these, none of these are promising, disappointing, and curious how the Daily Maverick makes this projection based on the fact that people are so angry at the African National Congress. Fascinating, nonetheless. Those are the predictions. Switching to Namibia, ladies and gentlemen, the Luteritz election has been set aside. It's been tossed out. You have to go back to the drawing board in Luteritz. The Management Committee elections of Luteritz Town Council back on December 1st have been declared null and void. A high court order issued on Thursday by Judge Harold Greyer. The elections are to be reviewed and corrected. Magistrate Adlinu Halonga, who presided over the proceedings almost seven months ago, admitted he made a mistake during the proceedings and applied for a court order to set aside the elections as seven members were nominated and elected for the Management Committee instead of the five as prescribed by law. <laughs> how, how, how do you do that? How do you do that? <laughs> I long ago noted the irregularity placed the constituted management committee in a position where it can neither convene meetings or carry out its mandate or any other statutory mandate. How in the world do you do that? The seven members who are sworn in are Anna-Marie Hotzenburg from LPM, the Landless People's Movement, as mayor, Josephine Haita from SWAPO as deputy mayor, Bridget Fredericks from SWAPO, Benjamin K from PDM, Johannes Abraham from SWAPO, Albertina Indishikaya, and Philippus Balhao from IPC. The mayor and deputy mayor were constituted correctly and they are unchanged. So the Landless People's Movement and the SWAPA will keep the mayor and deputy mayor. The elections will be conducted in the next 14 days from the date of the issuance of the court order. So it's back to the drawing board in Namibia, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> well, that's not how you do it. 
<laughs> five positions is not seven positions. Five, seven. One, a two, a three, a four, a five, six, seven. Nope, just five, Luterates. <laughs> that's not even corruption. That's called ineptitude. Wow. There you have it, folks. Ineptitude in Namibia as Luteritz must reconstitute its council with another election. The Botswana government has missed its target for selling nearly $2 billion pula worth of bonds as it's trying to add debt. Now, bear in mind, they just got a loan from the World Bank for $250 million or so this week. But this is a government-issued bond, and the bond market was tepid. The bond market wanted them to pay more. They wanted them to pay more. The interest rate is too low according to the marketplace. Well, hmm, that is interesting. They wanted far more interest rate. The uh, government is only willing to pay about 6%, and the market demanded nearly 11%. Those bidding want 11% for it. This is actually good news for Botswana. Some people look at this and go, well, they can't raise the capital. They can't raise the capital, but they're unwilling to pay ridiculous rates of nearly 12% interest. They'll pay 6%, which is high in my view, but 12% is ludicrous. So with their fiscal discipline, the government of Botswana is refusing to take out this loan. Smart. A lot of people go, well, it's not good for Botswana. It's actually smart. It's good governance. Clearly, the president's not involved with this decision. <laughs> in Nigeria, at least 80 school children are missing. This is a weekly occurrence now. This is unbelievable. Who would send their children off to a remote boarding school at this stage? You may never see your child again. Or they'll come back and murder you after being brainwashed. Police in Nigeria say armed men have attacked a school in the northwest state of Kebi, killing a police officer and abducting at least 80 students and teachers. In the latest in a series of school kidnaps and ransom that exposed growing insecurity in northern Nigeria. About 250 gunmen on motorbikes invaded the government college at Yakuri midday Thursday. They shot sporadically, killed a police officer, and abducted five lecturers along with the students. One of the students with bullet wounds was dropped along the way. The attack is the latest in a string of kidnappings in northern Nigeria since December and the third in the last month. As I said, once a week these days. Yusef Sununu, a local constituent leader, said security operators are making progress at the search mission. We made a lot of contacts, and as of last night at 1 a.m. this morning, I discussed with field commander. They have succeeded in entering into the den of the kidnappers, and I think this is a major success because security agents are now taking the fight to the base of the kidnappers. Well, I would hardly call that success. Children in school are the target for kidnappings, and murder, and terrorism. Wow, dangerous place to be, Nigeria. President Buhari, is he in fact losing control of Nigeria? That is the question Deutsche Welle put forward this week, and it's one that bears asking. I personally don't think that he's reached that stage yet, but certainly events are spiraling out of control on all fronts across the entire country, in the north, in the center, and in the Delta. Nigerian policemen have killed 14 gunmen who assaulted a police station in the central Bennu state. Catherine Anane, a spokesman for Bennu Police, said in a statement that a group of gunmen numbering about 50 launched an attack in the early hours on Sunday on a police station at Katsina Allah in the state. In a bid to free some suspected bandits who were arrested by police in Saturday and detained at the station. Operatives at the police station uh, division were already on alert, engaged the attackers in a fierce gun battle, adding that 14 of the gunmen were gunned down at the end of the gun duel while others escaped with bullet wounds. It's the Wild West, ladies and gentlemen. It is the Wild West. Have gun, we'll travel. They call me Paladin. Ethiopia has an election on the 21st of June, just hours away from our broadcast today. And Prime Minister Abe will stand for the first time since ascending to power. But 20% of the country won't even get to vote because of ongoing conflict and issues with the election. So is this a genuine, real election? What's the story here, folks? Can we even trust this? 
Well, that is the question this week as Ethiopia goes to the polls. He pledged unity, but now Prime Minister hopes to tighten grip on a war-torn Ethiopia. With elections this week, could give the Prime Minister even greater power despite a regional conflict and a man-made humanitarian crisis. Tens of millions of Ethiopians are expected to vote on money in crucial elections that could provide a launch path for controversial Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed to consolidate his increasing authoritarian role. Now, this is shocking and sad because... Abiy was considered a reformer, and he began to dismantle the police state, at least on the surface of it. They tried to assassinate him early on because he was going against entrenched, vested interest, but he survived it and became the darling of the international community until Tigray. Just over a fifth of more than 500 parliamentary constituencies are not voting due to logistical problems, violence, or the war in Tigray. The conflict in the northern region broke out in November after fighters loyal to the Tigray People's Liberation Front, the region's then ruling party, attacked government military bases. And the government has stepped up the attacks ever since, crazy what's happening in Ethiopia. Ethiopia heads to the polls against a backdrop of insecurity. National elections will see 547 federal parliament members elected and the leader of the winning party becoming prime minister. These were supposed to be held in August 2020, but were delayed because of the pandemic and only taking place now. But as I said, 20% of the people won't even get to vote. Consequently, the United States said it's gravely concerned about Ethiopia's elections. The United States gravely concerned about the environment in which the 21 June elections in Ethiopia will be held and urged politicians and other community leaders there to denounce violence. Tanzania welcomes investment into its blue economy. It's blue economy. No, we're talking about maritime is what we're focused on here. Tanzania's uh, Zanzibar President Hussein Mwinyi, that's the islands actually, not, not Tanzania, has invited businessmen from East Africa to, and beyond to put up heavy investment in the islands that will help drive the blue economy for Zanzibar. Zanzibar is open for heavy investment in diverse sectors of the blue economy, including deep sea fishing, ports, infrastructure, marine transport, petroleum and gas, and tourism. Tanzania is also considering cryptocurrency. Tanzania considers crypto and boost Bitcoin as nations line up behind El Salvador to embrace decentralized finance. Remains to be seen if, in fact, Tanzania will do it. But President Hassan called on the Tanzanian Central Bank son to begin working on facilitating widespread use of cryptocurrencies in the East African nation. While many in Tanzania have not yet embraced decentralized finance, the central bank should be ready for the changes and not be caught unprepared. The announcement helped Bitcoin leap nearly 10% in just 24 hours, reaching $40,000 a token on Monday morning. Could you imagine if the U.S. accepted this cryptocurrency? Wow, it would shoot through the roof. Uganda, in confusing decisions by governments around the world, has imposed a 42-day lockdown as a consequence of the surging pandemic in the country. Reimposed the 42-day lockdown as, as infections surged in East African country. President Museveni said in his Friday night address that he was tiring of receiving calls about deaths, but critics said he presented a wish list that would instead worsen the situation. Earlier Friday, the health ministry shared the latest numbers, indicating 1,564 new cases in the previous 24 hours, including 42 deaths, bringing a total to 584 deaths. New restrictions imposed in Kenya's Lake Basin region. Kenya has imposed restrictions on gatherings and curfew in the country's western Lake Basin region after a spike in infections. Declared 13 counties a hotspot with 60% of the country's new infections and more than double the average positivity rate. Positive rate in western counties is 21%, 12% more than the national average. The curfew from 7 p.m. to 4 a.m., public gatherings are banned and non-food markets are closed for 30 days. The health condition is poor here. They don't have health equipment. They don't have materials. People are suffering. There's not enough medicine. Poverty continues to contribute a lot to the problem because you're told to bring this and that and you don't have it. There's congestion in the hospitals. People are suffering a great deal. Meanwhile, as Uganda and Kenya tighten pandemic restrictions and take away liberties, Niger has reopened its borders. 
saying that the crisis is under control. Niger said it reopened the land borders that have been closed since March to help prevent the spread of the virus. Road crossings on the landlocked state's borders were reopened on Thursday after trends showed the situation is still under control. Of course, Niger is 187th on the Human Development Index. Pretty low. And the Blue Bulls, or the Bulls, embarrassed themselves in the Rainbow Cup, the one and only running of the Rainbow Cup. This was the... The consideration made because the South African teams couldn't travel to Europe. Europe teams couldn't travel to South Africa. So the South African teams in Pro 14 competed against each other, just four teams in a fake <laughs> Pro 14 tournament, while the Europeans compete against each other. And then magically, the team that couldn't win a game, Benetton, winds up in the final against the Bulls. You'd think the Bulls would have walked all over Benetton, a historical doormat when it comes to rugby, but not the case at all. The Bulls split between Curry Cup competition, injuries like Dwayne Vermeulen, and playing for this championship trophy showed up in less than impressive fashion, losing to Benetton 35-8. to Benetton scored five tries to one as they overwhelmed the depleted Bulls who were without their Springboks players preparing for the British and Irish Lions series that starts next month. Captain Remarkable Guinness Pro 14 campaign by upsetting odds to thump the Bulls. Having failed to win a single match during the regular season, the Italian club ends the 2021 as the Rainbow Cup champions after stunning the winners of the South Africa section of the tournament in front of 1,250 fans in Treviso. Madosh Tombwe went over to cancel out Monte Ioni's early score, but Cornell Ells then punished a Bulls mistake and played a leading role in the penalty try that sent Benetton in with a 20-8 lead at the break. The Bulls got their hat handed to them. Deval Divinaga of Benetton gets the ball away. Hmm. Interesting, all the South Africans playing for Benetton, beating the Bulls. <laughs> ah, and the Olympic Repage tournament is wrapping up as we speak within the next uh, half hour. It'll be France versus Ireland for the final men's slot to go to the Tokyo Olympics. And if I can, I'll bring some of that to you live right here on Chris Wine Africa. That would be cool. Anyway, so here's the teams that played. On the women's side, there were a dozen teams competing for two slots. For the men, just one slot. There were 11 or 10 teams. In the women's side, I didn't see who won, but the men's were down to just France and Ireland, which was eminently predictable at the start of this. The other teams really didn't have a whole lot of chance. Maybe Tonga would be the exception to that, but the rest of them really didn't have much of a chance. And here you go. The 20th of June, 1907, Stade in Monaco, and this is the quarterfinal. It's a quarterfinal. So where are... That's not the last game. So it's a quarterfinal. Interesting. So we still have a few games left according to this, although there's no schedule up for the other quarterfinals. They're not listed. Those are the news and headlines today, folks. Oh, Curry Cup. I almost forgot the Curry Cup. Let's get to that. On the Curry Cup, log Pumas 39, Lions 10. The Bulls doubled up by Western Province. At Loftus, 48-24. And the Sharks defeat the Greek was on that concrete patch, pretending to be a rugby pitch up there in Kimberley, 30-16. to Those are the headlines, and that's in-depth news analysis today. The chat's been on all along, so... Folks, thank you so much for your time, your support, your patronage of Indaba African News of the Day. Today, Sunday, June 20th, 2021.